This is Deepa from DeepaBarrow.com, and you're listening to the Deep Beauty Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Deep Beauty Podcast. I have another very special episode for you guys today. I have Mr. Jesse Brizendine on the line with us today. If you guys don't know who he is, and if you haven't seen him in my videos, he is a life coach that I hired and worked with in 2014 who completely changed the course of my life. I owe so much to this man. And you guys are going to benefit so much from this interview today. Jesse, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Has it really been since 2014? Yeah, 2014 is when we did that. Nine wow. months. It was, wow. oh my gosh, it was so great. We we talked every week and he gave me strategies and like exercise and homework to do. And it honestly completely changed my life because I was feeling very stuck at the end of 2013. And, uh, and yeah, and then I, I stumbled upon your video. It was about your website that you had. So you had done uh, a thousand things in one year. So the one year, 1000 challenge, mm-hmm. which I thought was freaking amazing. And I went through so many of your blog posts and I was like, <laughs> oh, so he did this today and he did that today. And it just made me think like, there's so many things that are possible. All you have to do is try. And I just knew within that first sort of introductory session on the phone with you or on Skype with you, um, that that was it. Like you had something and and I've been fascinated with mental health for so long and been to psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, but no one has been more effective than I feel than like a life coach because you guys you actually gave me tools and strategies to implement in my life rather than just just writing things down on a notepad and and, and medicine does have its place but rather than just throwing pills at me which was like I wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for you so thank you well thank you for saying that and you know I we were talking a little bit offline before we started and I just got to say I can tell that you know the tools and strategies are only as good as the student chooses to implement them and it is such a a joy of mine to have talked to you for a little bit before offline and and to see some of your your recent videos because I can tell that you're still using utilizing them because you are, you know, radiating in some of your your videos and it's just it's just talking to you beforehand and hearing you say you know I'm so happy right now, uh, that is, I mean that's why I do what I do and it oh. it it's I. I'm grateful you turned the video off because I definitely started to tear up when you said that. Oh. So I don't want to, you know, it's not not good form if I start the video crying. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is, it is. The tools and strategies are only ever as good as our implementation of them. And a lot of times I think people make the mistake where they'll go and they'll, you know, watch a video or they'll listen to something and, and they, they get that rah-rah feel, right? They get that surge and, oh, yeah, right, now I got it. I can, I can do anything. I can accomplish anything. I feel so good. And then just like any good buzz, it wears off. That's true. So it, it really is the consistency and the implementation of them. And, you know, we had every, you know, every week for nine months, but I can tell you've been a student of it since then. And even just some of the things you were, we were talking about offline were reminders of that too. So I really congratulate you for what you're, what you're continuing to do and the, the happiness you've created in your life as such. Thank you, Jesse. That's so nice. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about what sort of things led you to want to make the changes that you've made in your life. Because you went through uh, childhood and your adolescence as a very completely different person. And then there was a shift that happened once you went through university and you started to become the person that you are today. Can you tell us what led you to making those changes? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in... 
I was fortunate that I knew both my parents loved me, but neither one of them, I think, really loved themselves. And as such, they really struggled in the relationship. And I was, I was probably about, you know, somewhere between five or seven years old when I remember where I was and I was just getting ready to ride a, go ride my bike. And my mom looked at me and she said, Jesse, do you know what divorce is? And she began to go on and tell me about all the things my dad did, doesn't do. She began to explain about how her and my dad used to be best friends until myself and my brother were born and that she's, you know, s- sacrificial and will do anything for us and he's selfish and won't. And and I started to notice more and more just the constant pain my mom was in. And in my little seven, eight-year-old brain, I interpreted that as, you know, they were happy before me, so now they're sad because of me. And not only that, but they there was constant financial challenges. I, I used to be the one that would carry the rent up three, four weeks late to the landlord because they believed that if the kid took it up, they wouldn't evict us. And, you know, that was the lack of money was a constant talk. And it escalated to me where a point where I was probably – I was about eight, nine years old, and I had gone down into the forest because I'd worked down in my mind that, you know, if I wasn't there, it would save my parents all this money. And then they, if they had the money, they'd be happy. And I had gone down to the forest with this this big knife, and I found this place, and I took the knife and pushed it up to my chest. And I'd seen enough movies at that point to know that, you know, that seemed how people would die. And I remember just sobbing uncontrollably because I didn't want to die. And at the same time, though, I felt so guilty for being alive. So it was I was I was crying because I didn't want to die. But I was crying because I felt guilty if I stayed there and forced my mom to suffer. And I, I started to push the knife in and, it, and uh, you know, your breastbone is actually it's really, really thick. And so it wasn't going in. I thought it'd just be easy. And then finally, I, I pierced the skin. And I remember it was hurting and it was painful. And. And I was crying, and then eventually at some point I just fell on the floor, and there was all these leaves on the, the ground of the, the forest I was in, and just sobbing uncontrollably because I I felt so ashamed of and disappointed in myself that I wasn't I wasn't brave enough to kill myself and release relieve, in my mind, my mom of her pain. And I remember walking back up towards the house because where I grew up, we, we lived adjacent to this forest walking back up with my head hanging while I was so ashamed of myself. And I, I made a decision at that point. And, you know, part of that decision was, is that basically the negative self-talk that so many of us fight with. And mine was, you know, I was, I was a punishment to God. I was a burden that my parents were going to have to bear, that I was worthless, that I was all of these things. I was undeserving of being happy. I was unworthy. And, and that carried with me through much of my adolescence. I'd have happy times, like, don't get me wrong, but my inner dot monologue would get louder and louder. And by the time I got to high school, it was so loud that I would spend literally time every morning looking in the mirror, telling myself how worthless I was, how horrible of a person I was, how I should be ashamed of myself for not being brave enough to, to, you know, let my mom be happy and, and so on and so forth. And to, to, to your point now, fast forward, and I'm, I'm trying to give you the condensed Cliff Notes version I got to college and I had finally gotten away from the environment I grew up in. I discovered alcohol and that when I drank a bunch of alcohol, I could feel really good. Mm-hmm. I was fun. I, I stood up a little taller. I, I felt a little bit more 
confident talking to girls without alcohol if a girl spoke to me i would literally break out purple i would be sweating <laughs> so bad that you know nobody would want to go near me because they thought i had some sort of plague or something like that <laughs> and i did have the plague it was called the oh my god don't talk to me otherwise i am going to break out in the full sweat and turn purple plague <laughs> but you know so i but the problem was with alcohols i didn't really know how to to regulate it or monitor it and i Got to a point where I had drank so much alcohol that I ended up crawling through the dorm floor. I don't remember any of this, but spent three hours in the public bathroom with my head hanging in the toilet. And anybody who's ever been in a public uh, bathroom knows what those are like. Yeah, that's yeah. not fun. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 pretty damn near rock bottom when you're you're hanging out holding yeah. onto the public bathroom toilet. Yeah. And you're 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 willingly putting your head inside of it. Oh jeez. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I and so I was only 18 at the time with that. So because I was 18, I was underage. I was a minor drinking alcohol. I got put on, I put on, got put on probation from the dorms, and my grades were so bad my first quarter in school that I got put on academic disqualification, which is basically they send you a nice letter that says if you don't get your you know what together, we're going to kick you out. Oh, and then you would have to leave Santa Barbara. That's not a good thing. Yeah, but have to yeah. leave Santa Barbara, have to give up school. And I had this, and so I, I was walking to the bathroom one day, not crawling this time, but I was actually upright and <laughs> sober. <laughs> and I remember getting to the bathroom and and looking at myself in the mirror, and I had started to get these dark circles under my eyes. And I was I was a pretty skinny kid at this point, and I had gotten a beer belly. And I remember looking at myself saying, like, you know, what are you doing? You, the one thing you did okay as a child was you worked really hard to give yourself a shot at a better life. Mm -hmm. And you're so close to throwing it all away. And I kept asking myself, why? And what came up for me was, is because I was scared. I was scared of being someone different. I was scared of actually being able to move forward with my life and be away from my mom because I saw how much my mom was in pain when I left. Mm -hmm. And so I felt this responsibility, like I should maybe flunk out of school and go back to her. Oh, I mean, that makes sense on some level. It definitely yeah. does. Our, our mind, it's its really amazing. The stories we'll tell ourselves mm -hmm. and the, the doozies that we'll create in our mind. And, yeah. and it was really at that point that, you know, I said, you know, I gotta, I gotta change. There has to be something different. There has to be something more. And I, I drew my, my proverbial line in the sand and said, you know, this is, this is going to be the new standard for me going forward. Oh, I love that. The new standard. I love that. That sounds yeah. so good. That's, that's amazing. And you've, obviously we all know that you've done such an amazing job of creating a life of your dreams. Now, when it comes to people that are listening, if they want to make a change in their life, if it's something like, you know, whether they wanted to lose a bunch of weight or if they wanted mm -hmm. to change careers completely or, you know, they wanted to move somewhere, what what are the first steps that somebody can take to make those drastic changes, kind of like how you did? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And there's a couple steps I would suggest for people. The first thing is, is I would suggest for them to decide on a reason why. And have that thing, that reason be deeply meaningful. And notice I said the word decide. The reason is, is because if, uh, you know, we're recording this and it's mid-January right now. So this is traditionally the time where everybody's doing their New Year's resolutions still, yeah. right? Yeah. Most people haven't fallen off altogether. And inevitably, one of the New Year's resolutions for a lot of people is this is going to be the year I'm going to lose weight or this is the year I'm going to be in shape. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, okay, you know, and they'll say they want to lose 20 pounds or whatever it is. 
But for what purpose? What reason? Mm-hmm. If it's just to lose weight, that's not reason enough because if it was, you would have lost it already. Right. It's so true. Right. It's the same thing with our job. If it's just to find another job, we would have done that already if that was it. We have to, human beings, we are emotional creatures. Even if somebody says, oh, I'm not very emotional, I call BS on that. We are all emotional all the time. It's just your emotion that is more of a default is kind of a neutral, a blah, whatever we call that. And blah can be a technical term in certain fields of psychology. <laughs> but, you know, and so it's it's we need to have emotion creates motion. So, for example, right, if, if somebody on here, let's say they want to lose 20 pounds and their reason was to to fit into a pair of shorts. Now, that might be enough, but what's going to be more motivating to you? What's going to compel you to do that more, to fit in a pair of shorts or that you're staring at your own mortality and you realize that if you do not lose 20 pounds, you are not going to be alive to see your kids grow up? Oh, that's way more powerful. Right? Yeah. Who is going to say no to that? Yeah. Right. So you have to decide on a reason why you're doing it. You know, for for me, when I was at that crossroads for myself, I had to decide and I didn't understand these at the time, you know, like I can teach it now today. But I there was something inside of me and I knew that I had to have a reason. There had to be something more. It had to be, you know, wanting more, not settling for life like that, because I knew if I didn't set that new standard, I was going to voluntarily accept my standard of life being how I had been. And I was, I was, I was miserable, you know, mm-hmm. I was absolutely miserable. So the first thing is, is deciding on, deciding on a reason why behind it, right? There needs to be something compelling for you. Right. And then the second piece for that is, is also decide on what your happy is. And the reason why this is so important is because I really think the end game for all of us humans is we are after being happy, being fulfilled in life. Everything we do, we do because we're going after some emotional payoff in it. Right. Right. The person who wants to get the 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 twenty million dollar home, they're trying to get it because there's an emotion they get from it. Maybe it's a sense of they get this feeling of that that's when they've finally accomplished everything, or that's when they're officially successful, or whatever that is. Right. Yeah. So. What I would suggest to people, and I run this through with clients all the time, is let's not wait until 10 years from now to be happy. Let's not wait until you're finally this. Let's not wait until you're finally that. Let's decide and figure out what makes you happy now and be happy and then fill in the other stuff around it. I love that. Right? Yeah. Because here's what happens if we don't. I'll give you give you an example in like a relationship context. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, people will put something like uh, like getting married mm-hmm. as the pinnacle, the top of the mountain for a relationship, mm-hmm. right? And they stand up in front of one another and they say the the vows till death do us part for better or worse, blah 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 blah, right? Mm-hmm. Yet statistically, right, fifty plus percent of marriages end in divorce. Mm-hmm. So what happens? I would guess that part of that is, is there's such an emotional emphasis on that being the high point of the relationship, right? People talk about being the happiest day of your life. Think about what that says psychologically. If you get married at 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, and that is the happiest day of your life. Oh, that would be so sad. What do you have to look forward to afterwards? Exactly. Right? Yeah. What do you have to look forward to afterwards? If you just hit the happiest day. You're telling yourself is unconsciously almost that you've just hit the peak and now you still have 40 years of life to come and 
but the best is already behind you, Ah. right? So figuring out your why and figuring out what your happy is and then having that become a sustainable thing, not the wedding being the happiest. It can be a happy celebration, Mm -hmm. but what really probably makes you happy is, is being in a relationship with the person that you love and care about. Right. Right. What really makes you happy in your work is is being able to make a difference in somebody's life is being able to help grow a company that you really believe in. Mm -hmm. Now that you know what makes you happy and you go into go and search for another job, you have a why. Right. What's what's your reason behind it? Why are you doing this? And you know what's going to make you happy. So it helps you filter out the chatter and you're not just looking in Craigslist or something like that. But you're actually going and making a decision, not just for paycheck, but for your quality of life. Right. So true. So, okay. Now the person, now the person listening, they have their why they know Mm -hmm. why they're doing what they're doing and they are like trying to be, they're making happiness, their lifestyle. How do they keep that now, that motivation that they've gotten initially, how do they keep that going on? Cause inevitably there's going to be a day when they're not feeling like rolling out of bed and going to the gym or they're just kind of like a little bit under the weather and they don't want to help that client what, what is the thing that's going to keep them going? Yeah, that's a great question. When we focus on ourselves, human beings, we can be extremely selfish. We don't like to admit it, but we can be extremely, extremely selfish. Mm-hmm. And our suffering, our indecision, our lack of decisiveness, our, our unwillingness to move forward, our getting stuck, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, our knowing that we should go to the gym even though we really don't want to, that happens when we focus solely on ourselves. We focus solely on ourselves, and so we get into this almost selfish state about meeting our immediate needs in a way that isn't quite fulfilling, but it'll do. Mm-hmm. Right? It's kind of like those nights where you, you you're trying to eat really clean, but you say, "Ah, oh, you know what the hell? I'll have a little bit of ice cream," and it, it feels good for a minute, but then the next day you start to feel, "Oh man, I maybe I shouldn't have done that. I kind of regret it. I feel like crap. Whatever it is, right?" Yeah. So there has to be something external that we focus on in those moments. For parents, one of the best things to do is focus on your kids mm-hmm. and have it be something where, you know, you, you're going to the gym, like you may not feel good, but you are so committed to your health and wellness. And more importantly, you're so committed to setting a positive example to your children mm-hmm. about how important health and wellness is, is that you're going to get up and go. That's a good one. Right? Yeah. Because then there's something more you have, you have leverage on yourself now. On ourself, we'll give up all the time. Yeah, but when we have somebody else that we, is meaningful that we can hold have hold us accountable to, or we're holding ourselves accountable mentally, emotionally because of our our relationship to them, that's much different. Okay, now what about the people that don't have kids like me? Yeah, husband, spouse, mission, purpose, cause, your dog, your cat, your parakeet, <laughs> your right? parakeet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know if that was going to come out of my mouth. It just no, came out. I like that. I'm doing it. I'm doing it for you, Parakeet. Yeah, I'm doing it for you, Parakeet. Paul, let's go. I'm doing this for you. <laughs> but you know, but but we but we can play those games with ourselves, right? Let's say we do have a Parakeet, and and we have a, you know, we can we can tell ourselves we can play the game with ourselves that our our health and vitality is going to allow us to spend more days, months, weeks, and years with Polly. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, if we if we don't have Polly the parakeet, if we don't have a dog cat, it could just be our it could be something for the example we want to be to other people. It can be because of the commitment we made to ourselves. It can be because we have this vision of who we want to be and the 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 standard of life we want to live. And when we have that, it's very clear on what's acceptable and what's not. 
right? I'll be the first to admit that there are some days that just absolutely suck, yeah. right? And there are some dark, dark days that people are going to do, and there's going to be plenty of times that life is horribly unfair. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, we have a choice, right? And that choice is inevitably, do we allow what happened to define us, or do we choose how to define what happened, uh, right? Yeah. And there's a, there's a major difference in this. Most people, when they get stuck or struggling in life, they will have had some sort of life event happen, no matter how big or small, whether it's they caught the cold and that was the day they decided they're not going to go to the gym and then it breaks down their habit, their routine. And then they decide in that moment that they are sick, that they are, you know, whatever that is, that they, they, they're, they're lazy, that they're incapable of following through Yeah. versus somebody who decides I have a cold and I know I'm not dying. And I believe that psychologically the best thing for me right now would be to get up and do something to show that this cold is not in charge of me, that I'm in charge of the cold. I love that. Right? Yeah. And we have we have that capability inside of us. I'm reading this, I'm reading this book right now. It's a, it's a World War II book, and it's about the, the Marine Corps infantry. And I encourage everybody to add at least one military book into your reading, especially if it's written by a soldier. And the reason why is the stark contrast of perspective they give you about what humans are capable of doing under the most grievous of circumstances, it lets us see that we have and are able to give and do a lot more than we sometimes give ourselves credit for. And the reason I mention this right now is because the chapter I just finished reading, they were talking about how these guys are, so this is in World War II, these guys are in the front lines and they're dug and they're in this literally like this knee deep mud there's i won't get into the graphicness of this the this the scenario but one of the things that happens is in the midst of the combat and all these things bullets going by and everything else people start breaking out in malaria oh wow now they can't call in sick they can't go over and and say hey you know people please stop shooting at me right now i'm sick i need a couple days bed rest yeah they have to keep fighting through it and I, I, so I read these books because it reminds me, it helps strengthen me psychologically that, you know, when I'm up against something that I too have the ability to keep fighting through it and going towards what I want. And for them, going back to our why, for them, there's such a strong reason why duty to country, duty to their fellow soldier, right? Their commitment to honor a, a code and agreement they made with each other. If all of us set that standard for our lives, then it becomes really easy during those moments of saying, you know, do I go or do I not? Well, we can check in with ourselves and say, is this in alignment? Is not going in alignment with my commitment I made to myself? Is it, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. No, I love that. You're right. It's that time of year where people are sort of, you know, kind of wavering a little bit with their new, with their new year's resolutions. So keeping that in mind and making sure that you have your reason why, and then also making sure that you are checking in with that constantly that, you know, is going to make a huge difference with their resolutions and with the goals that they want to do in their lives. Yeah. It's, it's our emotion is everything. And what's really important too, with, with these, with these pieces, and I encourage you, all of you to, to really think about this and, and actually allow yourselves to feel it. All of us, I, none of us have to be rocket scientists to where if I told you, you know, what does a, what does a sad person look like? We could all describe the physiology, right? They're, they're usually a little slouch. Their shoulders are down, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And if we said, what does a happy person look like? The, the posture is the exact opposite. Experientially, just try this out, right? Allow yourself to just slouch in the chair. 
you know, lower your head down, and I'm doing it right now too, and you'll notice that you can probably even tell the energy in my voice changes. Right away. It changed right, right? away. Yeah. You can tell it. Now, you'll be able to tell when I sit up because the energy just changes completely. Yeah. And all of us can do that because we have, we have, uh, our emotions are so anchored in our physiology. And I use as an example for all of you who are listening to this, just try it. Slouch down in your chair and notice how you feel and then sit up really tall and then take it to another level and sit up really tall and think about someone or something that inspires you. Someone or something that is a, a source of goodness, love, joy, happiness in your life. And notice how as you're sitting up tall or standing and you're thinking of that person or that thing, how much better it makes you feel, right? Totally. And then ask yourself, who, who, which one of you is going to follow through with something? See, if we slouch down and we get ourselves where we're feeling kind of sad and low or whatever, then it's a lot easier to talk ourselves out of it, Yeah. right? The person who comes home after work and they slouch down on the couch, it's tough to get them up and get them going. Yeah. Right. But the person who's sitting up tall and in their mind, they have an image of their reason, their purpose, their why, the the thing that gives that fills their heart with happiness and joy. They're going to be able to do anything they want. So true. So true. And I and I and I've heard also, too, that like if you just even use that and just get yourself going for the first like little bit, the rest is just going to be easy. Because if yep. you're on the couch and you're already in that stance, it's so much harder to get going than it would be to just sort of stay in the in the positive place and have those emotions that are attached to your reason why to, you know, to get yourself out of the door yes. and doing the things that you want to do. So Jesse, so I want to know, I want you to share with everybody how they can get in touch with you if they want to work with you. Yeah. So just head over to my website, which is jessiebrizendine.com. It's it's a mouthful, but I promise you it's not. <laughs> it's easier to type than it is to say. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to pronounce your name for the first like six months. And I was just like, no, I'm not at this point. I am not going to ask him. I would just... <laughs> there's some, there's some times where I'll say it and I say, well, God, did I even enunciate that correctly? <laughs> because you hear, you start to hear so many mispronunciations. You think, oh, oh well, maybe that one's just an easier way to say it. Well, I thought it was Brizendine for the, for the longest time, but yeah, Br- Brizendine. I'm going to have all the, the links for Jesse on my blog post for this episode as well. Um, and then you also have your Facebook page, which yeah, is... Yeah, Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash the number one year and the number 1,000 challenge. You guys have to check out his stuff. It's amazing. And he's a constant source of inspiration and motivation. And he just really is so empowering. And check out his Instagram too. Um, he posted a bunch of uh, posts last year where he was doing the gratitude uh, challenge, which I think is fantastic. So thank you so much, Jesse, for being on the episode today. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with everybody. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me and thank you for, for doing this and, and creating the this vehicle to be able to reach and connect with people. I think it's absolutely awesome what you're doing and, and keep keep shining. It's a joy to see you being happy and doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you.